I'm, an, I'm a very normal person. Um, like I didn't, I go into Bible school, but then I, did, I didn't go to school, I didn't go to college to be a pastor, I didn't go to college. I went to school to be an elementary school teacher and I just love God and I'm just, I'm just willing. And as I was, I was sitting there, I felt I was supposed to say like, like it's not about being on stage, it's not about delivering a sermon, it's not about preaching, it's not, it's not, about, any, it's not about any of that, it's about all of us have the ability to connect with God and to have a personal love relationship with, this, with the person who created us. And when we step into that and we step into the person that he's created us to be, we create movement within our lives. And right now we're going through um, a series on the armor of God and it's really about spiritual warfare. It's really about um, like our thought life and like renewing our minds. And the only reason, and, and as I was thinking through this in, in, how, in how the armor of God plays out, and as I was kind of reading the Bible and reading Ephesians 6, I realized God showed me, Jake, the only reason, where I, the reason you're, you are where you are in the position that you're in is because you understand the armor. Like you understand the battle that you're fighting. And if, and if we as a collective body would understand the battle that we're fighting, we would stop fighting the frivolous and we would stop fighting the un, we would start fighting the correct battle. We wouldn't, we wouldn't fight the battles that don't matter. If we would get the armor of God and understand the implications and understand the spiritual warfare and understand the battle that we're supposed to fight. And I wanna to start tonight as we we're talking about the armor of God, talking about Paul and Silas in prison. So Paul and Silas in Acts 16, um, they actually pray for a demon-possessed girl who could actually foretell the future. And she was working for, for, for some people and she was making them money. Paul cast the demon out of this girl so she could no longer tell the future. And the people who were making the money were really angry because that was a source of income. And so they persecuted Paul and Silas and they actually ended up throwing them in jail, in prison. And back in those days, Prison wasn't a pleasant place to be. Not that it is now, but the only way that you could eat was if a family member or a friend would bring you food. They'd, they would not provide any food for you. Um, so, and it was not clean, it was very dirty. Um, and so Paul, here you have Paul and Silas who are in prison for casting out a demon and setting a woman free from demon possession. And they're in prison, and you might have heard this story, but as they're in prison, it says in Acts 16 that they start singing, and they start praising God with songs of hymns. So you get a picture of them probably beaten, probably bloody, probably hungry, in jail for doing the work of the ministry, in jail for doing the work of Christ. And they start singing and they start praising and they start singing songs of hymns while they're in prison. And as they're singing, an earthquake comes and it shakes the prison. Coincidence, I think not. And, and all the prison doors open, the chains fall off, and the prison guard comes and, 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 and he's like, oh, this is not good. And, he, and because he thinks all the prisoners are free, and he's about to commit suicide when Paul and Silas say, don't kill yourself, we're still here. Paul and Silas end up sharing the word of God, the gospel, 
of Jesus Christ to this prisoner and him and his whole family get saved. I'm going to come back to that story. We'll come back to it. So I'm a basketball player. Um, I played basketball in college. I love basketball. Um, But I also played football. Um, I was a quarterback in high school, played for the Bulldogs of Granville High School. We got any Bulldogs here? We got some Bulldogs right on. Um, So I played football and basketball. When you're playing basketball, if you know anything about basketball, there's a certain type of basketball player that you know, and it's called the football basketball player. This person takes the rules of football and translates them into the rules of basketball. Basketball is a physical sport, but not as physical as football. So this football basketball player will come in, and he will start shoving, pushing, and hitting people on the basketball court. They often run as fast as they can and run into people, and they're very, very inconvenient and annoying to play with. Now, as I'm a football, I played football and basketball, I was not a football bat. I understood how to translate each, I understood how to translate the rules and associate each game to the rules that were supposed to be played in them, in the style of play. Does that make sense? So I understood in basketball, you can't be as physical, but some people don't under, can't translate from game to game. And as we were talking about the armor of God, remember last week, and I'll read these verses, we talked about how there's, there's a heavenly realm, a spiritual battle that's always going on, even when we don't realize it. And what I'm afraid of is that we have become the football basketball player. That we're actually trying to take the rules of earth and translate them into the rules of heaven. Or we're trying to translate the way the world works into the way heaven works. And so we get a body of believers, of Christians who come in trying to operate in the way that they grew up, in the way that they were taught by their parents, by taught by the school systems, taught by the world, taught by friends, and we're trying to keep those same values inside the kingdom of heaven. We cannot be football, basketball players. We need to be a people who are able to distinguish the rules in which we are playing, in which game we are playing in. The rules of the heavenly realm are much different than the rules of the earthly realm. We are trying most often, if we're not careful, we try to take earth and translate it into the heaven rules, when in reality, if we as a people would start to pursue the truth that is in Jesus, which is the heavenly realm, it would, it, the, the truth in the heavenly realm actually translates into victory in the earthly realm. But the truth of the earthly realm and the way that the world works, the natural world, does not translate into the heavenly realm. I want to read a passage um, 
the passage that we're going through. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I want you to take a focus on that word, heavenly places. So it's saying, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't get fight against people. Like our conflict with our family, our conflict with our spouse, our conflict with our, with our coworkers, with our boss, it's not a flesh battle. It's always spiritually rooted if we truly understood it. Our battle is not against flesh, it's not against humans, but it's against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly places. And people get freaked out when we start talking about demons and angels. They're like, oh, he's, he's one of those weird guys. No, this is the reality of the gospel. It's the reality of the world that we live in. And if we choose to ignore it, we'll always lose. It's not weird, it's reality. But it's the reality that we can't see. But if we can become in tune with God's reality, we can start learning to live and operate in that place. And we'll go through it. So throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing it. He uses the word heavenly places or heavenly realm over and over again. He's talking about this place that God is showing him that actually has authority over the physical world. This place in the heavenly realms that we can't see that is, has influence on every single person in every single situation. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So in the heavenly realms, if we're in Christ, a believer in Jesus, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Every blessing in this place in the heavenly realms that we can't see, you and I and every other believer have every spiritual blessing. So there's a movie that I like. It's called Mr. Deeds. So Mr. Deeds is, is about an Adam Sandler movie, and I'm not a huge fan of Adam Sandler, but it's going to work for this. So Adam Sandler, it's about a guy who lives in a small town and his second uncle was a billionaire and he's the heir to his second uncle that he never met before. So his uncle dies and, and Adam Sandler ends up inheriting billions and billions of dollars, becomes one of the richest men in the world. And in his mansion, he has a butler He's the guy who always says, can I change your socks? If you've seen the movie. Can't think of his name off the top of my head. So the butler is, is, is underneath Adam Sandler. So later on in the movie, there's a scene where they're fighting over the inheritance and who's, gonna, who's going to inherit it because the, the, the uncle had a business partner who was trying to steal the money. 
And as through research happens in the movie, and research happens, and, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a character in the story who actually finds out that the butler is the blood son, or the blood relative, blood son of the, the great uncle. He had relations with a maid who was the butler's mother. But it was never known. It was kept a secret. But there's a scene in the movie where the whole, the whole congregation, there's this huge meeting, and they find out that the butler is the son of the billionaire. And he finds out that he actually is the, is the heir and the inheritor of billions and billions of dollars. But the reality is he never knew and he had no access to the billions of dollars until he knew who his father was. In us as believers, we can actually know that Jesus is our Savior, but until we know God as our Father, we're limited by the inheritance that we can live in. God is a Father. We sang it tonight. He's a good, good Father. And Jesus talks about we should call no one on earth our Father. He is our Father. He is our true Father. So then we keep reading in Ephesians 1, 18 through 20. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. So we have this heavenly realms. We have all the spiritual blessings. We have all power where Jesus is seated in the heavenly realms. And it talks about this power that Jesus has. And then in Ephesians 2, 6 and 7, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So basically what this means, Christ is in the heavenly realms. He seated us, our spiritual being, in the heavenly realms with all power. And he did that so that he could show his grace on earth through our lives to the world. The heavenly realms were seated there. Then Ephesians 3, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Wisdom. So we have blessings, we have power, we have wisdom. And we're seated in this place called the heavenly realms. We need to learn how to live there. We need to learn how to operate from heaven, from this heavenly realm to earth because it translates very well. So the armor of God. The armor of God is the way that God, that Paul is describing to us how, how we can fight or how we can live in this place called the heavenly realms. See, we can't fight the spiritual realm with physical tools. We have to use the tool, the spiritual tools in order to fight spiritual opposition. So I'm gonna read the tools off and then we're gonna go through the ones that we, that we, uh, that we didn't go through last week. So Ephesians, 10, or Ephesians 6, I'm going to start at um, thir verse 13. 
It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and have put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So we have this armor that, that Paul is describing in how we win and how we can operate in this heavenly realm. And he says the way that we fight this spiritual battle is with truth, is with righteousness, is with peace, is with faith, is with salvation and the word of God. Six things that as believers we must learn how to operate and how to live from. And I've broken them up into four different categories as I, as I kind of was looking and in, in, in really reading through the different armor, pieces of armor that's described in Ephesians 6. So it says, put on the full armor of God, the belt of truth. We talked about it last week. It's, it's the truth, God's view on us, God's view on any subject. So when we break it down, truth, it's really ident- a thing called identity. And the devil's number one way of, of distracting and controlling and limiting Christians is by identity theft. He accuses and he convinces us that we are someone that we're not. Because God has spoken about all people. He has a plan and he's called them from the foundations before the foundations of the earth. He knew you and has a plan for each and every one of us. And the devil is doing whatever he can to steal our identity so we never become the people that God sees us as. So we have identity, truth. We have righteousness, which is involved in our identity. The way that God sees us is righteous. When we're in Christ, we're righteous. Not through our works, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have identity, the first category that I'll, that I'll break these up into, which we spoke about last week. And then we have the shoes of peace. And when I'm breaking this into a category of its own, and I'm, what I'm describing it as is a temperament or attitude in the midst of conflict. A temperament or attitude in the midst of conflict. Because it's in, in Ephesians 6 it talks about in the evil day when it comes. So when the evil day comes, we need to put on this full armor. So peace, the shoes of peace. You see the polar to peace or the opposite of peace can be described as strife, frustration, anxiety, uneasiness, depression. And often those things are induced by physical realities or physical circumstances or real situations that we're in. You see, the devil is using physical means to destroy our lives, but they're always spiritually rooted. 
And so when things come against us, we need to understand that they're not just physical, that they're spiritual in nature. And we need to fight them not just with physical reality, but with spiritual realities. Knowing that when opposition comes, we have to meet it with peace. When people come at us, when, when, when family members come at us, when, when our coworkers come at us, we have to know that they're not against us, they're not my enemy, the spirit behind them is the enemy. And when I realize that the person is not my enemy, I can always present myself with peace. Because I understand the battle that I'm fighting in. So when things start to squeeze in on us, the only thing that comes out of us is peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. It says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, I think what most often we do when it comes to peace is we ask God for him, we ask God to give us the, the peace. Say, God, please give me peace, give me peace, give me peace, give me peace. And I think our prayer for peace has been a little bit skewed because if you actually read this verse, it says, do not be anxious anything but in everything. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and then the peace of God. You see, the key to peace is not asking for it. The key to peace is thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving puts our perspective on the right thing. And perspective on the right thing introduces us to the person called peace. And when the thing that we think we're praying for is right in front of us, God shows us the real thing, and then this thing called peace overwhelms us. He gives us a new perspective of what's in front of us, and we aren't shaken by what's ahead of us. But instead, we realize the opposition is a tool that the enemy's using to get to our spiritual man. And we say, devil, you're not going to get to me through that. I'm going to stand in peace. I'm going to be thankful for what you've given me. I'm going to be thankful that you've made me righteous. I'm going to be thankful that I'm your son. I'm going to be thankful that I am an heir to Christ, that I have all spiritual authority. I have all blessings in heaven. And I'm going to use those. I'm going to use the power and wisdom that you've given me to, to battle and to fight against this, this opposition and conflict that's ahead of me. It's so much different. That's so much different than asking God to take away the conflict in your life. God's not, God's not gonna take away the conflict. He wants you to take out the conflict with perfect peace. We play so much more of a role than we give ourselves credit for. Jesus says in the Gospels, he says, all authority in heaven I'm given to you. Now go. And we're sitting here praying, God, please give us more. And he's saying, I've given it all to you, but you just have to learn how to live in this place called the heavenly realms so you can start winning the spiritual battles. You see, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm all for counseling, I'm all for philosophy, I'm all for thinking and, and, and all that stuff, but I think we've, been, we've gotten so deep into figuring things out that we've, we've just confused ourselves. 
and we say, well, yeah, well, this is probably the root of that. And oh, yeah, we got to deal with that. If we're going to have victory, if we're going to gain freedom. We have to deal with that and deal with that and deal with that. And I'm not, I'm for those things. I'm for dealing with our past. But there's a reality in the kingdom of God which says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And sometimes I just think we make it so complicated and we get so focused on the flesh and so focused on cause and effect that we forget about Jesus as the cause of everything. He started everything. If we would involve him, he'll finish it all because he says it's finished. This isn't even in my notes. This is just, this is God telling us a message to start taking authority and taking responsibility for the conflict that's in our lives. And if you're here and you say you're a believer, and if you're here and you say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then peace is our only option. He says in Matthew 5, he said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God. In Colossians 13, is not Colossians 13, there's not a Colossians 13. <laughs> what verse is it? Clue 3, Colossians 3. It says, let the peace of Christ rule and reign in your hearts. Peace is not an option, or peace is the only option for the believer. But we have so many, we have, there's so many people who don't, who don't know what peace is. With a room this size, I guarantee there are so many people who, if we're being honest, which is okay, I'm all about honesty, because honesty is the first step to transformation. Honesty is the first step into being introduced to the person of peace. There are, in the room this size, there are people who would say, I'm not living in peace right now. What you're saying sounds good. What you're saying is a rah-rah message, and, and, and I believe it. it's for other people, but for me, I had no idea what peace is. But peace is the tool that we use when we're in conflict in the spiritual battles, and we have to know what this peace is. This peace, this, this rest, this knowing that we're okay. I'm gonna go back to the, the story about Paul and Silas. It says, it says they were singing hymns, praising and giving thanksgiving to God while they were in the prison. From what I said, I said the, the pathway into peace is thanksgiving. I'll say it this way for the pathway to peace is praise. All peace, you know, it just sounds better, I guess. They're in the midst. They're praising, giving thanksgiving to God. And their breakthrough came in the midst of a situation that to any other person would be demoralizing, would be the end, they're giving praise. And I want to introduce an opportunity for us to, to give praise tonight. If you're here and, 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 and you say, I don't, have, I don't have peace right now, I'm a believer, 
I'm a believer, I, follow, I love God, I'm trying, I love God, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm gonna in, give us a time where we can simply just give thanks. And what I believe is gonna happen is when we give thanks, and, what I, and, and I'll help us in what we're gonna give thanks for, what I believe is that God's gonna shift our perspective under the truth that he has spoken over us, which is that we're his sons, we're loved, he loves us so much. He's got good things planned for us. He cares so much about us. And what I believe is that God actually wants to shift our perspective so that we can have peace in the midst of the chaos that we're going through. We all have conflict that we're going through, but we have to be a people who have peace in chaos. That's the mark of a believer. That's when the world sees us and, and all hell is breaking loose around us and we're skipping and we're saying, this is the best day. I the world says, what's wrong with you? And you say, Jesus. You see, but when we look like the world and this is happening and this is happening and my boss is a jerk and, the, and, we're, and, and we're down on ourselves and we're frustrated and we're giving in to all this fleshly and worldly temptation, the world looks at us and says, why would I ever want that? Why would I ever want that? But when we're a people who walk in the midst of conflict and persecution with a smile on our face and thanksgiving in our heart, not for what we're going through, but for what Jesus has done in our lives, the world sees it and they say, who the heck are you and how can I be like you? And then we say, here, let me, let me introduce you to my friend. His name's Jesus and he's here with us right now. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna end with this. I shared this in a staff meeting that we had yesterday and I wasn't planning on sharing it, but I, I think it fits. Oftentimes, we have conflict or we have, of, we have, we have um, the opposition in our lives and we're asking God to take it away. I think God always first wants to shift our perspective to see it differently, to operate in peace through it. But what I think happens in that place when we have peace is it gives us the authority to start operating in the heavenly realms, in that heavenly place, to where we can start taking authority over the conflict and opposition that's in us, or that's, that's against us. So when we're operating at peace, it gives us authority over the conflict that's ahead of us, or that's against us. God does just, God, God wants to do two things. The first thing he wants to do is change our perspective so we see it differently. The second thing he wants to do is show you that you have authority and that you can create peace in the situation where there's conflict. He wants to create a miracle through you in the situation that you're facing, whether it be health, whether it be finances, whether it be relational conflict, emotional, emotional turmoil. Perspective change first so that we can have peace. Second thing is he wants to perform a supernatural miracle in your life to show you that he's real and that he loves you so much. But he doesn't want to be known as a genie in the bottle. He wants to be known as a personal God who gives peace in the midst of conflict. 
Why don't you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and and you're a person who says, I'm a believer, I love God, but I have no peace in my life right now. I'm gonna ask you just to simply start giving thanks here in a moment. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or anything. I'm just gonna ask you and invite you to start giving thanks. I'm gonna ask you to start giving thanks for a couple things in specific because I believe God's gonna start showing us who we really are, the truth about who we are. I want us to start giving thanks that either we're a son or that we're a daughter. I want, us, I want you to start giving thanks that, you're, that God loves you. Thank you, God, that you love me so, so much. And I want you to start giving thanks that my best days are ahead of me. I want you to start giving thanks that, God, you've given me every spiritual blessing. I want you to start giving thanks that, God, you have given me power in the heavenly realms. God, I want to give you thanks that you've given me every, all wisdom in, this, in the heavenly realms. So once again, thank you that I'm a son. Thank you that I'm a daughter. Thank you that I have every spiritual blessing. Thank you that I have all wisdom. Thank you that I have all power. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you, all my best days are ahead of me. I'm going to keep repeating it, and you can just join with me. God, I thank you that I'm a son or a daughter. I thank you, God, that every spiritual blessing is mine. I thank you, God, that I have all power in the heavenly realms. I thank you that you've given me all wisdom. God, I thank you that, I, that you love me with all of your heart. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that my best days are ahead of me. I'm not hearing anyone, then that's okay, but I want to invite you to start giving thanks because it's in, the, in the, it's in the presence of thanksgiving and praise that our peace comes. And I'm not settling for people walking out of this place who are constantly in depression and in anxiety and in stress. I can't handle it because there's so many people out there who need Jesus and until we realize and meet him face to face, they'll never meet him. So we need to start giving thanks and stop worrying about what other people think. It's okay that if you don't have peace, you're in a church, you're in the perfect place. We're not gonna judge you, I promise you. We're gonna introduce you to Jesus and he's gonna give you peace and change your life forever. So stop hiding, stop being afraid and just let go. Thank you God that you've made us sons and daughters. Thank you God that you've made us free. Thank you Jesus that you love us. I thank you, God, that you are the one who's made our best days ahead of us. Thank you, God, you've given us every spiritual blessing. I thank you, God, you've given us all power. I thank you that you love us and that you love us and that you love us. And I thank you, God, for the peace of God that is, that is falling on this place right now, that Holy Spirit, you comfort and you meet and you start to shift the mindsets in Jesus' name, that you shift the mindsets in Jesus' name to peace, to rest, and to knowing that we are your sons and daughters. Jesus, freedom and peace right now reign in this place. Reign in this place, freedom and peace. That no one walks away with no one walks away with depression. No one walks away not knowing that they're loved, that their best days are ahead of them. In Jesus' name, Amen.